Last week, well, so every Thursday, I have uh, a men's group that we meet here at the church. Every Thursday morning, right out in the foyer. And uh, it's an open group. I ask that you connect with me before you just show up. I mean, you're welcome to show up. We're not going to kick you out. But uh, connect because this group takes it seriously. Like, this is not a fluff group. If you're looking for a fluff group just to hang out and do guy stuff or whatever that is, uh, this ain't it. We'd, we are in the word, we're in the spirit, we're ministering to each other, right out the gate, we're going for it. It's a lot of fun, and we're watching lives transform right in the midst of our group. It's amazing, okay? So uh, it's something so powerful happens when, when a group of people intentionally go after the things of God. Like, no resistance, just go after the things of God. Woo! You watch lives change. So fun. This last week, we were together, and we started to, uh, to do something that I, I wanted to continue the discussion today in the church because we saw such an expression of, of God's presence in it. We talked about Thanksgiving. I, I, not the holiday. I mean the act of giving thanks. I, I, I felt really strongly that we were supposed to, before we minister, and so this is kind of how the group goes. We get together, we'll break into groups of three, and we'll pray and prophesy over each person. And then we'll come back together, and often there will have been a word, something that the Lord was saying. I, I like to do the Proverbs, and so there'll be some sort of razor-sharp you know, word of the Lord, and then we're off and running in our days. It's a powerful time together. This time, I felt like we were supposed to touch Thanksgiving first and then minister out of that. So we broke into the groups of three, same thing as we always do, except for I had the guys begin to, whoever was going to be prayed over, the person in the hot seat, two people are praying. Instead of jumping right in to pray for their needs or whatever's going on in their life, instead, we spent significant time giving thanks for that person. Thank you, Jesus, for Joe, all that you're doing in Joe's life. Thank you, Jesus, for his impact in our lives. And what was amazing is that in those short exchanges, that person who is hearing other people give thanks to God for their life is getting a version of themselves that they're not used to hearing. They're seeing a reflection of how they interact with others through people's eyes. The ones who are ministering are hearing the other person give thanks for them, and they're receiving a perspective that maybe they weren't thinking about. Wow, I never thought about that person and how they affect people's lives like that. So suddenly the whole group is seeing from a different perspective than when we started. It's really hard to be critical when you're thanking. Really hard to be judgmental when you're giving thanks for somebody. You can't give thanks for something and criticize it all in the same breath. This process unlocked something. We felt the presence of God touch and move, and it was powerful. And I've had testimony after testimony just from this last week of how it's affected those guys. 
I, I was prepping for this service, and I began to think about the times in my life where I have seen dramatic supernatural intervention in situations. And as I began to recount them, they all began to have the same thread of why that situation turned around. We were on a, a, a trip out west. I had, um, it was at the beginning of the church, very, some, several years ago. Church is 16 years old, right? We, so this is way at the beginning, probably 14 years ago or something. And uh, there was a group of guys, and one of them worked for an airline and had a whole bunch of buddy passes that were going to expire. And so they said to the group of guys, hey, let's all go out west and go skiing. They booked a, a, like an Airbnb type place, and we all got free airline tickets. We all got free stay. We pooled together resources. Boom, this is a cheap trip, and we're all getting to go ski at Breckenridge for a couple days. Awesome, right? Like persecuted for Jesus. I can't believe I, that someone's got to do it, you know? <laughs> but this experience was fun, so we're excited. We're going for it. Well, we get, all get out there without any problem. No problem on the way out. But on the way back, we're flying back on a Saturday morning, and I have to preach on Saturday night. All right, and a bunch of the guys have, have other stuff that they got to do too. And so there's some of us who really have to get back and some of us who, eh, if we get bumped, not a big deal. And we're all on buddy passes. So we show up to the, <laughs> you can see where this is going, right? We show up to the, the, the ticketing experience and turns out only one of us can get on. And they're like, all right, PJ, you take it. You know, you, like, you've got probably the most critical thing. Let's get you home. We'll figure it out. There's a th few others that are able to get on the plane, and we're all sitting there, and, uh, and they're shutting the door, and I look up front, and in first class, there's one seat left. And I'm thinking to myself of who's not on the plane, and that list of people, and I'm thinking, I know who's going to walk on the plane right now. I know who's going to walk on the plane, because there's one person that's left that walks in so much stinking favor Like, melt your face off favor. <laughs> I know who's going to walk on the plane. And sure enough, like, 30 seconds later, Josh Johnson walks on the plane. <laughs> okay? Josh, Josh is the corporate, corporate treasurer of our church and helped us plant. He's been, we've been friends forever. Anyway, Josh walks on the plane, sure enough, sits down first class, right? And, uh, you know, I'm kind of chuckling to myself, yeah, yeah, I'm going to hear the story when we get off. So we get off the plane back in Minnesota, everybody's home, and he walks up and he goes, man, I've got a story for you. Right? He said, I got on the plane and I sit down and immediately the guy next to me starts berating the flight attendant. Hostile towards me. Yelling at all the people because it turned out that the guy who had bought the ticket in first class had purchased two of them and didn't want to sit next to anybody. Anybody experience hostility recently? Anybody experience the world a little more harsh with itself? Little shorter fuses than we're used to walking in. Everybody's a little bit on edge. You get cut off in traffic, which you will now because everybody's a terrible driver suddenly. I don't know what happened. <laughs> Six months of isolation was not good on driving. 
Suddenly everybody's in a hurry and it's just wild, the tension that's just hanging in the air over people. And, and Josh says, this is what happened. I sat down and the hostility was high, but within 30 seconds, he turns it around to where that person begins to tell him life story and they become best buddies to where the guy's given Josh his information so he can work with him in the future. Right? How does someone do that? Because heaven kissed that moment, but it didn't start off that way. It started off like hell. See, when someone's super defensive and angry around me, it's really easy for my defenses to get up and then react out of that. Everybody knows how to do that. I don't need to teach you how to react. How do you overcome it? How do you get heaven to touch a situation that has hell written all over it? How do you get a person who is making a decision and they seem to be hostile towards your cause? They're of a different mind. How do you get that situation to open up where they will hear reason from you? Where the defenses come down, where people are, have open hearts, open ears, are able to be influenced. What changes a situation like that? You know what happened? Josh sat down, and in that first exchange where the hostility erupts, he said, hey, I just want to say thank you to that guy. Thank you so much for sharing this space with me. I needed to get home to my family, and it really mattered I really appreciate the fact that you are allowing me to sit here. Thank you. The guy's defenses drop immediately, and he turns to him and goes, yeah, you know, and then explains his situation. Josh again affirms and says, hey, thank you so much. Next thing you know, he's sharing his heart and opening up his life and yeah, I got a family too and blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, they're talking business, exchanging numbers, information. It went from someone irate to a partnership. The Lord will insert you into situations that are ready to explode because of tension. And God purposely puts you there because you are a minister of his peace. And he wants heaven to touch hearts. Like in heaven, it's full of joy and peace. Like the, the world that God brings into situations. It, it really is what people need. Our job is to usher that world into these places. Today I want to talk to you because every one of us has to make decisions. Every one of us has to face those kinds of situations. Each person in here has a call of God on their life, and you want to fulfill that call. You're trying to please the Lord with your life. If you know Jesus, if you've met him, if you've experienced his leadership, you want to do what that man wants. It's impossible. I, I, it's one of the signs that you are a believer, by the way is that you want what he wants. When you meet him and you get set free and you realize what he's done for you, you will do anything to please him with your life. 
And that heart desire, it looks like something. It's not nothing. It looks like something. It looks like action. It looks like me making decisions in my life that, that advance his purposes and his kingdom. And, and, I, and at the same time, I have to work a nine to five and I have to interact with people. And not every person in my story is seeking God's will. Not every person in my story, in fact, turns out I have people in my life that are not interested in doing God's will. I have had, during my story, leaders that are working in my life, not in the church, previous to the church, but leaders working in my life that clearly are unredeemed and they don't know the Lord and they're just doing things the way that they know to do them and I'm trying to see God's purpose and I can feel the tension. Ah. What I want to share with you today is how to transform any situation, no matter how hostile it is, no matter how antagonistic it starts off as, no matter how opposed you may believe the people on the other side of the table are to what you're trying to achieve. There is heavenly tools to seeing those situations go from a seat of decision, a seat of authority that's opposed to God to transforming those meetings into being the very throne of the Lord. How do you get God to be a part of your decision-making process and gain confidence in his will so that you know that you're doing what you're supposed to and that those situations that you're walking in get transformed so heaven's invading them? It's actually really easy. The answer is thanksgiving. I've told you the solution from the beginning. Now I'll show you how it works. It's cuckoo crazy how this thing works. God will touch and mold your heart, transform your experience, dynamically impact people. Supernatural stuff will start breaking out all by walking in this. This is Romans 13. You ready? I don't know if you are. First service, man. We had to pick up jaws because they were on the floor. Ah. Romans 13.1. I'm going to start off by talking about everyone's favorite topic in the scriptures. Ready? Submission to authority. Everyone's favorite topic. Every person, verse 1, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. There is no authority. Everyone say no authority. No authority except from God. Those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rules are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. You want to have no fear of authority? Do what's good, and you will be praised from the same. For it is a minister of God to your good. But if you do what's evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. It's a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, 
not only because of the wrath that you might experience or consequences, but also for your conscience's sake. For because of this, you pay taxes. <laughs> this is great. For rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what's due, tax to whom tax, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. You know, this is written by the Apostle Paul to the church of Rome. Do you know who the leader was at that time? Nero. Nero was the most wicked emperor in that day. Nero burned Christians alive as torches in his arena. Nero is so opposed to Christianity, so opposed to what Paul represents. Horrific results. Probably the most anti-Christian leader of their day. Intentionally antagonistic. And here's Paul saying, that guy to the church of Rome, your leader is a minister of God. I'm sorry, but your boss is not that bad. Your parents aren't that, like, <laughs> unreasonable. Paul's writing to a church in subjection to an evil emperor and telling them that authority all authority is rooted in God. It's a, dif a, a, a necessary differentiation. The authority itself, the office itself, the structure, the purpose of authority, all comes from God. The person in that office, it does not mean that they are godly. It means that the authority they possess is from the Lord. It means that you must be subject to the authority they wield because God is the one who instituted it. The person themselves, it, this is not, you're not needing to justify the person's behavior. You're needing to submit to the authority that they have and trust that God is in the wielding of that authority. That's difficult. That's hard. That means I have to trust that God's involved at that kind of level outside of my control. That means that I have to willingly subject myself to forms of rule, forms of authority, forms of leadership that, that I don't agree with. Not every person's godly, but the authority they represent is. This is Proverbs 21. This is where we have to begin to recognize God's involvement. Proverbs 21.1. The king's heart is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. God knows how to cause authority to make the decisions that need to be made. Now, you live in the Western world where you have a say, where you have a vote. We, we feel the rights that are given to us through our, our, our own declarations, our forms of government. We, we feel that. We know that. We breathe that. And so when we have somebody who represents us going in a way that we don't feel is the way that we want it to go, something in us feels that rub. This is where Christians begin to go a little haywire. 
Because we can feel the will of God and we can see the will of God and we know what the kingdom looks like, but then we bump into ungodly rule and authority and we're not quite sure where we live in that because our world actually has given us a say. But the scriptures become very clear and this is how I want you to understand. I want you to see that if you will operate from heaven's point of view, if you will usher that reality into your circumstance, even the worst of circumstances can be transformed. I worked for a, um, a, a, a boss in the military. I served in the service for several years, and I've told this story before, but um, it, it's worth sharing again. I, I, I had developed skills in my job. I was very skilled at it. I knew my job, and because of that, I was being promoted. Every time there was opportunity for authority or gain in position, it would be given to me. I knew my job inside and out. I also understood people and was able to relate with people quite well, understanding how the system works, like I'm a strategic thinker, and, and I'm also a hard worker, and so you put all that stuff together in a person, and they start giving you opportunities. And so I'm running my own shop, and we're working for special operations. We are a combat-ready unit who goes first in two situations. This is in 2001. I am serving uh, in the military when 9-11 happens. We already had a pallet packed as we were watching the towers come down. Already packed to go. That's the kind of unit I was in. This situation is all action, and you have to know what you're doing. And this is me, and I'm very intentional about it, and I know what I'm doing. And, and then somewhere in the midst of my journey, I got put under a supervisor who didn't do my job and had no knowledge of my job, but he was my boss. And this situation got out of control very quickly because pretty soon he's micromanaging me. Every day I have to come into his office and sit down with a piece of paper and list out every little thing that I'm going to do that day. I, I'm thinking, man, I just got to get stuff done. And you're like harassing me, dude. And it is annoying. It's so annoying. And every time I come into his office, I say, Sergeant Van Gelder, what are we going to be doing today? And we're going through the list. And he's approving each thing. And, you know, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I don't need a babysitter, dude. And you're not going to do my job. Right? And one day, I, I just finally had it. I, was just, I just had it. I went home, and I'm a believer. And I just, start, I just start talking to the Lord about him. Like, Jesus, would you just smite him? <laughs> just one little smite. Smite him. would solve all my problems. Like, this guy is standing in my way, and he's always up in my stuff, and oh, Lord, oh, you know, I'm wrestling with it in the Lord's presence, and finally the Holy Spirit, you just feel him kind of clear his throat. <clears throat> you know, would you like to hear what I have to say about it? <laughs> and I hear the Holy Spirit whisper, he says, he's in your life as a gift to you. <laughs> He's in your life as a gift, right? He is a mirror telling you the motives of your heart. 
He's a mirror showing you how you are actually obeying me when I talk to you. See, my assumption was I was doing God's will. I'm, I'm just, you know, because the plans of my heart are mine, and I'm living in my own head, and I'm just assuming that I'm doing it right. And then I end up with someone with flesh on, a real person, who's asking me. They're not opposing me. The Holy Spirit's like, is he opposing you? I realize, nope. In fact, he agrees with everything I list out. You're right. He's not opposing you. What's he doing? He's forcing me to submit to authority. Oh. Wow. And the Lord was showing me how I am actually submitting to his authority. There's a reflection. The scripture says, you know, you say that you love God, but you can't even love your neighbor. You're lying to yourself. The way you love your neighbor is the way you love God. There's not a differentiation. You're not worshiping God and living in truth and loving God and then going home and hating your brother. That's, those things don't exist. The truth is that you don't love God because you're unable to display it in your real life. So this same principle, I'm not submitting to the person who's right in front of me and isn't even opposing me. My heart's proud. It's not humble. All this stuff. Ugliness. Ah, He's a gift to you, he says. Okay, whoa. Thank you, Jesus, for Master Sergeant Keller. Thank you, Jesus. See, I can't see fast forward a few years where, where when we would plant the church, I would cease to have a direct supervisor. I'm needing to know how to submit to the Lord because I'm not going to have at that point like governors over me. And something's got to go on in my heart that really gets to that root issue. And it was a gift to me to help have that exposed to learn how to submit to authority. It taught me so much. You know, the whole like great, what are they calling it right now? The great resignation. I kind of wonder if in our haste to work for ourselves, we're not leaving behind the gifts of God that were there to help us become godly. I'd slow that roll. Be so quick to work for yourself. You might be a bad boss. As soon as I recognized that Master and Keller was a gift to me, and I said, thank you, Jesus, something happened. Something shifted. I gained a new perspective. I totally was seeing from God's perspective now. I was totally seeing him differently. And as soon as I started seeing him differently, my behavior became different to Master Sergeant Keller. And as soon as Master Sergeant Keller saw how I was behaving differently to him, guess what happened? I mean instant. It was the next day he was like, all right, that was our last meeting. You never have to check in with me again. <laughs> and that dude became my biggest fan championing me, giving me opportunities, heroing me. Y'all, do you want to transform these relationships that are full of tension? Do you want to transform them? Stop resisting them. Stop pushing back. This is amazing. Look at this. This is, uh, let's see here, 1 Peter 2. I love this one. This is so great. First Peter. Okay, it was Paul talking about Nero before. Let's, talk, let's look at Peter. Peter's going to be way easier on you, right? Peter's great. Peter 2, 
Verse 18, servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect. Okay, in modern language, that is employees. Obey your boss in respect. Okay, anybody here work for a living? That's a servant, it's you. Okay, servants, be submissive to your masters. Masters, that's another word, boss. Okay, just fill in the blank. Work for your boss with all respect. Not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. You got an unreasonable boss? Woo! You should party because of what the promise is associated with this. You're going to see some stuff happen if you obey what I'm talking about today. Listen to this. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect. Not only the ones that are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor, that word. This word will change your life. If you learn how to release this word in your life, your stuff is going to change. It's the word charis. It's the word grace. It's the stuff that heaven runs off of. It's the power that works in you and displays God's kindness in and through your life so that you have a reason to give thanks because his goodness is exploding everywhere. It's what causes favor. This is what Jesus grew in. He grew in favor with his father and with people. In wisdom and stature, he grew in favor. He grew in this. This finds favor. If for the sake of conscience towards God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there when you sin and then are harshly treated? You endure it with patience. But if when you do what is right and you suffer for it patiently, enduring it, this finds the favor. Okay, if your boss asks you to do something, you're like, no. And then they release punishment because you're unwilling and it's a problem. Peter says, that's your problem. You deserved it. There's no reward in heaven for you to patiently endure the punishment for you doing what's wrong. However, if you choose to willingly be submissive, even when they're being unreasonable, in honor and respect, and you patiently bear up under the process, it says favor is released. This kind of favor, whoo, this stuff changes everything. This is what we see demonstrated when Josh sits down with that dude. And that guy is irate. He's so angry. Josh releases grace into this situation. And next thing you know, they're best buddies. There's favor released. How do you do that? How do you shift an unreasonable situation? Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect. Not only those who are good and gentle, but also those who are unreasonable. When God's grace is released, 
it transforms the dynamic of the relationship. This word favor, this word grace, it literally means this. It's a, it's a word picture. If you look it up in, uh, in original language, you're going to find that it, it carries this dynamic. First of all, that the person who is in charge, the one who is making a decision, the one who is being approached, that that person will suddenly see you with favorable eyes. So you're doing something that you didn't want to do. Your boss asks you to do something. Your parent asks you to do something. Uncle Sam is asking you to do something. You don't like it. You don't agree with it. Policy comes out. You don't like it. You don't agree with it. Do we want to see our world transformed for good, or do we just want to be in this push-pull dynamic and argument and tension? We're called to transform the world, not to oppose it, but to transform it. That means we've got to introduce something new. How do you transform a situation that's antagonistic? Ah, you must release that grace from heaven into it. And when the person begins to see you with favor, it also says that the recipient, the one who was submissive, the one who chose, even though they didn't like it, suddenly that person's experience in doing what was asked becomes favorable. In other words, you won't hate your job anymore. You'll be good with it. You'll have grace that sustains you in it. You won't have to quit because suddenly you'll find yourself like good. How do you get there? Ah. So simple and yet so hard. When we come into God's presence, it shifts our point of view. It's like me going before the Lord with Master Sergeant Keller. I come into his presence, Lord demanding an answer from God. I can't trust this guy with my life. He's making decisions that might actually determine my life, and this guy is controlling and not even letting me have a voice. How in the world can I trust this situation? I bring it before the Lord, and the Lord is demanding out of me a different point of view, and in his mercy, he allows me to have it. The scripture says that there is a gate in which we approach the Lord. You know, in ancient cities, there would be walls around them, and the king or ruler would have a throne room, but any time that there was business to be conducted or any time there was a decision to be made for the people, that ruler would leave the throne room and would come down to the city gate. The city gate is where business deals would take place and where governing would happen. The ruler would take up a seat in the gate and then people would come with their problems. The reason is because you're trying to keep your enemies outside of your city. And so it's a well-protected, fortified area that your people come up to the gate and that's where the king is working with you. So if you had a petition for the Lord or you had a petition for the king, you would come up to this ruler and it would be in the gates where they would make the decision that would change your life or change your circumstance or give you justice or any of those things. Do business transactions. Scripture says that God has a gate. 
that our petitions, our prayers, how you pray to the Lord, how you petition the Lord that he would intervene in a situation, that there is only one way to come into his gate. If you want to come into the Lord's presence to hear his decision on a matter, he demands that you come in thanksgiving. Do you know what that means? That means you got to give thanks before you know what's, before you have a new perspective. That means you got to recognize, wait a second, okay, this tension in this relationship, the Lord's in it somewhere. I have to trust that. And so I can go to the Lord in thanks. Thank you, God, for this situation. I don't really know what's going on, but I trust you in it. I just want to thank you for it. And in my thanksgiving, I can come into his gate. I gain a fresh perspective, a heavenly one, and suddenly I see differently. to gain a transformed or fresh perspective in God's presence requires us to choose thanksgiving prior to him explaining anything. That means in all submissiveness, you have to trust that that leader who you don't agree with is an agent of God and that they know things you don't And that in your submission to authority, you're entrusting your life to God. And that in your dynamic relationship, you're choosing to submit and to serve someone else's agenda with thankfulness. Even when you don't agree. And in that tension and dynamic, if you will choose to enter into his gate, you will find that these situations, these decision points, that God will usher you in as a person who has the ear of the king because your grace, because your thankfulness, God's grace transforms the dynamic touches their life, gives you a fresh perspective, and when God's grace touches the situation, they see you with favor. And so instead of the obstinate employee that just refuses to do what I'm asking you to do, the the political party that just refuses to do what the people are asking them to do, the leader who just seems to be obstinate and not here, Your boss who disagrees with you, even all your good ideas, they just can't hear you. There's something wrong with them. Your parents who, they just don't understand this generation and if they would just understand, then suddenly they, you know, it would be different. And all of the ways that we blame others, all of that gets touched and transformed when we just trust that the Lord is in those situations. Do you, do you want God to invade a dynamic like that? Okay. Enter his gate with thanksgiving so you can gain a fresh perspective so that when you interact with that person in the future, you'll be submissive and honorable and you'll have respect. And the favor that you're carrying will transform how they see you 
and it'll transform their hearing ear. You'll become like a Daniel who could serve a wicked king. You'll become like a Nehemiah that when you come into a wicked king's presence, carrying his cup, that a wicked king would see Nehemiah's face as being downcast, not happy, ask him about it, and suddenly in one little exchange, that wicked king is paying for the rebuilding of Jerusalem. God's will. How did you get there? Nehemiah transformed the dynamic of that throne room. Man, if you get this, you'll never be in a hostile situation again. There's so much here. It's okay. We need to eat some picnic food. Let me do one more verse. Here we go. (laughs) Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing. You know, when you're pressing for a result and you're not sure it's going to take place, this is where anxiety comes in. You are trying to accomplish something, but you are unsure it's going to happen. Like, People get anxious when, when, they're, when you're, that, that there's an active living anxiety in decisions and in a, trying to accomplish things, but you don't have all the resources. That, that anxiety, it all can go away, and you can have peace in those decisions. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, look at this, by prayer and supplication. Okay, you know how to do that, but... Look at the next word. With what? Let your requests be made known to God, and then here's the divine exchange. Here's the grace. Here's the charis. Here's the, here's the operational power of God that touches that situation. Brings favor to you. Brings favor to them. Shifts the whole thing. Be thankful to the Lord for the situation. And the peace of God, which surpasses your comprehension, will guard your heart and mind. You'll stop being anxiety-filled. I so desperately want, like jealous for, your lives to be lived in peace, like confident, like confidently towards the Lord, like you, you know that you're on the right path, that you're doing what God's asking you to do. I, I jealously, I, I want you to connect with each other because I know that what God's doing in your life would so powerfully impact other people. That's why we do things like small groups, because this is what I want. My, my hope is that you'll get to know each other and help and partner with each other to see great things take place. I, I know that some of you are you're a powerful individual in like the business world. You have great influence. And, and I'm, I'm jealous. I, I'm jealous over the Holy Spirit having access to your decision life. Because if you would make your decisions in your real life 
in accordance with his will and his leading, you would see the kingdom begin to touch all those interactions. Wouldn't be about money anymore. It would be about God touching and transforming lives. I, I absolutely believe, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that we're on the cusp of, of outbreak of life, not on the demise of all things. The birth canal is darkest before the dawn. The, the, the path to an unfolding is always difficult right before things suddenly change. And you know what? I am, I am, maybe it's, maybe it's cockiness, maybe it is just like, maybe I am full of myself, but I think that God wants to use you to bring transformation to our region. I, maybe, maybe I, maybe I've been drinking the Kool-Aid too long, I don't know. But, but I, I, I happen to believe that God has strategically placed you in your relationships, and that if you would connect with this thing, if you, would, if you would stop resisting people, start to partner with them, that God's favor would come and then you could influence it to go the right direction. Instead of, instead of criticizing and telling people everything that's wrong with what they're doing, instead, if we would just go, hey, okay, what's the plan? That's the plan? Awesome. I think that's a great idea. Come alongside it and help it to succeed. And you know what? It probably would succeed, even if you wanted to do it differently. There are so many things that could be transformative if we would just stop resisting and we'd use our power for good. Our region has a prophetic destiny in it, y'all. I mean, for years I've been saying to the Minnesota River Valley that there is a destiny on this place. There's so much tragedy in its history. There's so much opportunity for grace to abound in the days ahead. We, we are sitting in a place that could experience the redemption so powerfully, but what it requires is people choosing to own their priesthood, to walk in spirit, to be thankful and walk with their God in humility, to love and to forgive and to have mercy and to, to not resist an evil person, but rather, man, if you can't rob me if I'm going to give you more than you were coming for in the first place. What? You want my jacket? Here's my shirt. Like, there's not an offense here. You can't take from me if I'm willing to give it. Y'all, you could be so impacting in your families. So impacting. Just stop judging them. You could be so powerfully influential if you stop resisting your leaders, you started to partner with them, I bet you'd get promoted. Your money problems probably get fixed. Just start doing a better job. So much stuff that happens. God wants to touch the political sphere as well. I don't know who's going to get voted in, voted out. All I know is I want nothing to do with that spirit, the demonic thing that happens in people when they get mixed up in that. However, I do know that whoever gets voted in, that the church of Jesus Christ will pray for our leaders, that we might live in peace and see his kingdom influence. And if Daniel could do it under an evil leader, why couldn't we? Y'all, no one out there is controlling the destiny of the church. We get to choose. Let's rise up and do good. Amen? Just stand to your feet.
You guys are awesome. All right, now let's go eat some hot dogs. <laughs> Father, bless them. <laughs> I, I gave away my secret, but it is the reason I thank the Lord for you before I bless you at the end. I always say, thank you, Jesus, for this community. Thank you, God, for what you're doing in their lives. Thank you for every aspect of it, even the pain in the butts in this room. Lord, I bless them. Lord, I pray your blessing will be upon them. May the Lord richly bless you and keep you. May the Lord protect your life, guard your hearts and minds. May the Lord's favor rise upon you. You would know what it's like to walk in this favor, this caress, this expression of God's favor. It would go before you, would touch all your lives, all your relationships. That God would be gracious to you, abound in blessing, that your life would just see so much goodness happen in it. Even the bad stuff would get transformed because of this. And that the peace of God, which does surpass all understanding, it would guard your hearts and your minds. It would keep you in this place of peace that you might advance this kingdom of peace everywhere you go. I thank you for this, Lord. I bless your people today in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone who dared to agree with that said, come on, can we give a good clap to the Lord today?